Church family, how we doing? Awesome. Hey, um, today I'm going to talk about the problem. Last time I was up here, I talked about the problem. That was sin. And then uh, I'm going to give you the answer. Of course, we all know the answer. What's the answer? Okay, so we're done. Let's go boom. All right, there's a few more things I wanted to say. So I was, um, some of you guys have heard me preach, and one of my favorite stories to talk about the nature, so sin nature and all that stuff, is the scorpion and the frog. And I'm not going to say that one today, because I, I was actually talking, I was, as I was preparing this sermon on Friday, uh, a buddy of mine called, and he reminded me about himself. So I, this guy, Brad, he... I don't know if I should continue. Brad is... So I went to high school with this guy. I graduated in 1989. For some of you who were born after 1989, you're going, wow, that's old. Some of you guys are going... 76. I was graduating in 70. Who's graduated in 1976 or around there? Raise your hand. Wow, that's old. Anyway, <laughs> just kidding. Don't quit. So Brad and I went to high school together, and we graduated in 89. And uh, Brad was this guy. He was, he's a tall guy, about probably about two, two inches taller than I am, blonde hair. He was a football player, so he's really built, and he's goofy. You ever know those guys are just goofy, right? Class clown saying the wrong things at the way wrong time, middle of class, just a goofy dude, right? And we used to all just make fun of this guy, even though he had this thick skin. So he it was like a rhinoceros, a goofy rhinoceros, right? And so he, he, we, we parted separate ways in, in the Navy, or in, the, in 89. We both joined the Navy. He went special forces. Uh, he got blown up during the Gulf War, so they medically discharged him soon after that. Um, he's okay now. He's okay now. Well, no, he never was really okay, but... He's as okay as he can be, you know. Anyway, uh, about 2009, Jennifer and I were, were back in Las Vegas. Uh, we, we, I don't know if it was family or if it was a wedding or something, uh, but we ran into this guy because we, we all went to the same barber. Brad, myself, my other four or five friends, we all went to the same barber since I was 14 years, years old. This guy cut my hair. This barber cut my hair. By the way, I'm not going to go too much into his story, but he's really grumpy. That's all you need to know about him. Anyway, so uh, there was Brad. We ran into him. And I said, hey, what's going on? How you been? We exchanged phone numbers. We got on the phone. We, got, we called a couple times. And he told me this just lifelong story, right? Full of adventure. Getting blown up in Iraq. Uh, well, actually in the waters of Kuwait. Um, and, and all this stuff. And one of the things, he was an IT guy. So he worked in computer, you know, with computers. Uh, and he made about $55,000, $60,000 a year. By all accounts, this was 15 years ago. So it was actually real money back then. 60 grand was pretty good living. Now I don't, I think it's McDonald's or something, which is still nothing wrong with McDonald's workers, Facebook, don't get mad at me. Anyway, so Brad had a good living, but he was miserable. He just absolutely hated what he was doing. He hated the day-to-day grind. He hated going to the office. He hated dealing with his manager. He hated dealing with the customers. He just hated it. And I'm like, Brad, it's not like you. You're like, you're not cracking jokes. You're not, you're not the life of party, nothing. He says, well, you know what, John? A buddy of mine called me. He's a, he's a magician on an off-the-strip show. So he, we're in Las Vegas, right? So, so he had this magic show that he did Saturdays and Sundays, and he wanted Brad to come and help him. The catch was he wanted Brad to dress up like a clown. A clown, like a no-fooling clown. Like number two fear of the Americas is clowns, right? So, so Brad quit what he was doing, dropped his job like a hot potato, took a almost 60% pay cut, and became this clown, right? And uh, 
He was so good at it, you guys. He did it for two years, two, three years. He was so good at it that McDonald's, Ronald McDonald's, McDonald's called him up and said, we want you to be Ronald McDonald for all of South Carolina, parts of Georgia, and most of North Carolina. What do you think? So Brad's like, yeah. Happiest I've ever seen him. Why? Because he was doing his, what he wanted to do. He was doing what he needed to do in his nature. He was goofy anyway, class clown, why shouldn't he be Ronald McDonald the Clown? He did that for eight years, you guys. To the point where he was telling, I talked to him on Friday, and he, he was telling me they no longer do that. Um, McDonald has grown up, so they got rid of the clown, just like Jack in the Box, right? And uh, so he's no longer the clown, but it was, he, was such a, he was so loved by all of the, um, the uh, franchises that they actually paid his salary out of their pocket, and they kept it going for another two years, Right? That's how much they love this guy. And, when, and finally, uh, uh, McDonald said, hey, no more. You're going to uh, either, either you get rid of this clown thing or we're going to take your franchise license away. So can I say that over Facebook? Sorry, McDonald's. Anyway, they grew up, so they, 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 they moved on. Uh, but the franchise people gave, gave Brad a severance pay. The franchise people gave him all the equipment and basically said, here, Go do your thing. So Brad's still a clown. He's a magician clown. He just had 64 shows this, this summer. He's absolutely enjoying his life. He, he went back to college, uh, University of South Carolina, and he uh, studied uh, theatrics and, you know, comedian, comedian, you know, that kind of stuff. Anyway, my point is, that was his nature back in the 89, well, 87, 88, when I knew him, um, and it's still his nature. Our nature is our nature, Right? And we're kind of stuck in our nature, right? Well, we'll talk about that. Everybody go to Genesis chapter 3, verse 8 through 9. I say this a lot to my kids. I say this is my favorite verse in the Bible. And, they, and I say that about every verse in the Bible because every verse is my favorite verse in the Bible. But I really mean it on this verse. Genesis 3, 8 through 9. And on the surface, if you look at this verse, this is right after the fall. It's a terrible verse, right? Verse 7 says, uh, Adam and Eve are hiding themselves. They, they, sow, they sowed fig leaves together, right? And then verse 8 picks up and says, And they heard the sound of God, of the Lord God, walking in the garden in the cool of the day. And the man and his wife hid themselves from the presence of the Lord God among the trees of the garden. But the Lord God called to man and said, Where are you? I love this verse because picture the cool of the garden. There's God walking in the cool of the garden. He does it all the time. He's expecting Adam and Eve to be there. He does it all the time. He has a relationship with Adam and Eve in the cool of the garden. Right? The breezes are blowing. The trees are shading you. The hot sun is not the hot sun. It's cool. It's calm. It's peaceful. The butterflies are doing what butterflies do. Right? Annoying you? No. And God says, where are you? He's expecting a response. Think about that relationship, you guys. Just for a second, picture that relationship. He's walking. If God walks with Adam and, and, and is used to it, does God hug Adam? Does he talk to Adam? Is he teaching Adam? Is he admonishing Adam for naming the buffalo the buffalo? I don't know. That's the relationship that Adam and Eve, Eve had and here we see, right after the fall, right after what Adam and Eve did, God's still saying, what? Where are you? Where are you? 
And that's because that's what Adam and Eve were created for was a relationship. That's what human beings were created for is a relationship with God, a close, comfortable relationship, a relationship of love, a relationship when Adam falls down, God picks him up and says, it's okay, I love you, right? Just like mom and dad with the babies. That's what we were created for. There's a problem. There's a big problem. Something gets in the way. The problem is even though we were made for this relationship, our nature is what causes us that trouble, isn't it? We hide ourselves from God. Why? Because we're embarrassed. Because we're not up to the task. Because we have sin. Because we're disobedient. 1 John 1.8 says, If we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves, and the truth is not in us. Romans 3.23, part of Romans 3.23 for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Romans 1, 29 through 31. They were filled with all manner of unrighteousness, evil, covetousness, malice. They're full of envy, murder, strife, deceit, maliciousness. They're gossips, slanders, haters of God, insolent, haughty, boastful, inventors of evil. Inventors of evil. They make this stuff up, disobedient to parents, foolish, faithless, heartless, and ruthless. See, that's that sin, you guys. That's that nature that we all share. Ephesians 2.1, and you were dead in the trespasses and sins in which you once walked, following the course of this world, following the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that is now at work in the sons of disobedience. That's us. Galatians 5.19-21, now the works of the flesh are evident. Sexual morality, impurity, sensuality, idolatry, sorcery, enmity, strife, jealousy, fits of anger, rivalries, dissension, divisions, envy, drunkenness, orgies, and the things like these. I warn you, as I warned you before, that those who do such things will not inherit the kingdom of heaven. Did I miss anything, you guys? And, and that right there, that gets in the way. That's what stops us from fulfilling who we are. And we could go on and on and on, and you guys know, you guys know your, your, where you fit into that, right? This problem is man has been trying to cover these things up ever since the fall. Verse, verse 7 of, 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 three, of Genesis 3, 7, Adam was sowing fig leaves to cover himself. Why? Because he was ashamed. Fig leaves. I don't know about you guys. I've never worn a fig leaf, but I'm sure it's not comfortable. Right? And that's the problem, is no matter what we do to hide that sin, it's uncomfortable. It itches. It gets in our skin. Right? We're embarrassed by it. We look, man, not you guys, you're perfect. Facebook, not so much. We look to take care of our nature in a variety of, a variety of ways. The problem is, sometimes we run into our sin. Drug and alcohol abuse, sexual immorality. We, we, we know there's something missing. We know we're not doing the right thing, and we just, bam, right? We run into the very flesh that is keeping us from God, and that's a problem. We deny the existence of God. Nope, he doesn't exist. I'm looking at all these beautiful things, and he can't exist. No way. That tree, nope, that came from nature. We came from monkeys. I don't know. 
Some of us are really close to that. We try to shape our own God, our own way, to fill the hole, the void that is there. We try to cover up our sin, our disobedience, and make us our own gods. I can be who I want to be. I can be what I want to be. If Since there's no God, I can be anything at this point. I'm going to identify as this and that and the other thing. It's easy now that there's no God. We deny his existence, you guys. If we're not running into his sin, we're running away from him completely. Or we find religion. And we have this series of things that we have to do and do not do. Otherwise, we'll go to hell. We won't go to heaven. And we focus on that instead of what? The relationship. And that's equally as bad as those other two things, you guys. And I'm guilty of that. I am way guilty of that. If I look holy and I act holy, I must be. And that's my way of covering up my sin nature, right? We follow a moral code so we can be good. Problem is, in Isaiah 64, 6, We have all become like one who is unclean, and all of our righteous deeds are like a polluted garment. Some versions say filthy garment. As a matter of fact, we compare one another to each other. You know, I'm not as bad as that guy over there. He's a real loser. He's a drunk. He's an alcoholic. He's living on the streets. Woo! I'm so much better than that guy. That sound familiar? Yeah. But we don't, we don't compare ourselves to the, the one who made us. What has he done? Who is he? How righteous and holy is he? How perfect is God? We compare ourselves to one another. We even say things like, you know, I haven't thought about killing anybody at least a day, so I must be doing good. And I haven't coveted anybody's stuff for at least 30 seconds. Woo, yeah. As is written, Romans 3, 10 through 12, as is written, none is righteous, no, not one. No one understands, no one seeks for God. All have turned aside together, they have turned aside together, they have become worthless. No one does good, no, not one. Romans three twenty. For by the works of the law, no human being will be justified in his sight. Since through the law comes knowledge of sin. Ten commandments, if we keep those, we'll be good enough, right? Are they good things? Yes. Please don't murder anybody, okay? Please don't steal stuff. But the problem is we hide behind those things. And I might not be talking to you. Maybe I'm just talking to myself and and Facebook. But we hide behind those things. We hide behind this religion, these religious things because we look to this stuff to save us. We look to this stuff to cover us. We look to this stuff to get rid of the stuff that we all know that we do. Oh, wretched man that I am. I do the things I don't want to do, and I do those things that I do want to do. Ah, right? And, and, and I love that part, because when I hear those words, I, I know those words. I feel those words. When Paul wrote those words, he wrote them for me, not you guys. I'm sure you're squeaky. I know Canute is, right? But, oh, wretched man that we are, 
We fill our lives full of things to, make our, to cover up the sin that we all commit. Romans 3.23 again, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Romans 6.23, for the wages of sin is death. We can't cover our stuff. We can't save ourselves. We can't be good enough. I wish we could, but I don't really wish we could. But we're not focusing on what's important, and that's the problem. The problem is sin nature will condemn us to death, we were created for a relationship with God, and we can't because of the nature that we bear. So what is, has to be the solution? What is the answer, church? John three sixteen through 18, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish and will have eternal life. For God did not send his Son in the world to condemn the world, but in order that the world might be saved through him, the Son, Christ, saved through Jesus Verse 18, whoever believes in him is not condemned, but whoever does not believe in him is condemned already because he has not believed in the name of the, son, the only Son of God. Isaiah 53, 5, but he was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. Upon him was the chastisement that brought us peace, and by his wounds we are, amen. Ephesians 2, 4 and 5, but God being rich in mercy because of the great love with which he loved us, us, even when we were dead in our trespasses, he made us alive together with Christ. By grace, you have been saved. That right there is the thing that covers us, that grace. Romans 3.22, the righteousness of God through faith in Jesus Christ for all who believe, for there is no distinction for all who have sinned, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. And this time we're going to stop. We're not going to stop there. Romans 3.24. And are justified. That's found not guilty, by the way. We are justified by his grace as a gift through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus. You guys, that's what the truth is. We can't cover our sin nature. We can't hide the ugly truth but we have been made for this relationship, and God himself said, I'm going to do it for you. I have the power, being fully God and fully man. Jesus died the death that we could not die without being forced into hell. He could die that death. Why? Because he was fully a man. He was born of the virgin. But he was fully God. And therefore, when he was reborn, that was acceptance. We were accepted. We were redeemed by Jesus Christ. That's the only answer. We were justified by his grace as a gift through the redemption that in Christ Jesus is in Christ Jesus, whom God put forward as a propitiation, that substitution, by his death to be received by what? Faith. Belief. If you believe in what I just said, church, guess what? You are saved. Salvation. Free from sin. But there's a catch, isn't there? We're still on this earth. We still have the flesh that we're free from. And it still does what? It pulls at us, doesn't it? It pulls at us. So Jesus is still the right answer, however. 
So what must we do as Christians? Focus on the right things to do? Focus on the these and the don'ts? Focus on the law? Focus on him. Focus on what he has done, who he is, and believe that one day, one cool, awesome day, guess what's going to happen for all of us? We're going to not be here anymore. This earth is going to be remade, and we're going to be with Jesus Christ. And when we're with Jesus Christ, what does that mean? We are free from sin. Why? Because we each get a new body not made for corruption. That's what I'm looking forward to. This morning, who, who woke up this morning and went, oh, my hip. Oh, oh my ankle. Reminded me again, flesh, frailty. Romans 3.26. Oh, I'm sorry. Ephesians 2, 8, and 9. For by grace you have been saved through faith, and this is not of your own doing. It can't be of your own doing, by the way. It is a gift of God, not a result of works, so that no one may boast. We can't boast how awesome we are, but we can boast how awesome Jesus Christ is. We can boast on how what he has done for us is permanent. Amen? Thank you, sister. Romans 3.26, it was to show his righteousness at the present time so that he might be the just and the justifier of the one who has faith in Jesus Christ. Everybody go to Romans uh, 3.22 real quick. Should be pretty close there. I want to put it together, you guys. Not Romans 2, Romans 3. And as I read this, just, just listen, but as I read this, think about what God has done for us. The righteousness of God through faith in Jesus Christ for all who believe, for there is no distinction, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God, that is us, and, and are justified by his grace as a gift through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus, whom God put forward as a propitiation by his blood, a substitute by his blood, his blood was substituted for our own, to be received, to be received by faith. This was to show God's righteousness because in his divine forbearance, he had passed over former sins. He passed over that sin nature. It was to show his righteousness at the present time so that he might be just and the justifier of the one who has faith in Jesus Christ. God is our justification. God is the one who has taken away what we could not take away. God is the one who has taken the punishment that we deserve, which is death, and he took it away permanently. And even though we're still in this flesh, and we're still drawn there, God still does what he promised to do. He still will take away all sins. He takes away the punishment for that sin. And you are free. And as you accept that, as you live through that, the day-to-day grind, you get freer and freer each day from that pull. Freer and freer from that sin. The nature is still here, you guys. It hasn't gone away. But it gets less and less and less. And the more you walk in it, the better off you are. The more you focus on Jesus Christ, the less you're going to focus on that nastiness. Colossians chapter 1. This is one of my favorite, favorite chapters. I've preached on it a couple times already. Verse 20. And through him to reconcile to himself all things, whether on earth or in heaven, making peace by the blood of his cross. Did you catch that? All things. 
all things through that cross. Adam ripped asunder all things. Things started dying at that point. Jesus gave life to all things through his cross. Adam had to die. Jesus did die. And you who were once alienated and hostile in mind, doing evil deeds, he has now reconciled in his body of flesh by his death in order to present you, us, you, holy and blameless and above reproach before him. I don't care what you've done yesterday or what you're going to do tomorrow. If you believe that Jesus Christ died for you, you believe, number one, if you believe Jesus Christ, you need Jesus Christ because you're a sinner, a dirty, rotten sinner just like me, just like Dion. Sorry, Dion, didn't mean to point it. I was looking at Annie, so thank God I didn't say that. If you believe you're a dirty, rotten sinner and you need a Savior, and that Savior is Jesus Christ, death, burial, and resurrection, then you are above reproach. But Pastor John, what if I sin? Yeah, well, you're going to sin. You're still above reproach because that's how powerful our God is. It's not a license to sin, right? No. But it's love. It's love when our humanness takes over. It's love when we are frail. It's love when we are weak. That's how much you know God loves you. That's how I know God loves me. Because I'm going to sin, unfortunately. I don't want to excuse that. It's still terrible. But God has forgiven that sin, and I need to act like that and not do it again. I need to be repentant of that and not do it again. And when I do it again, oh, God, I am sorry. And he says, it's okay. Get up, tiger. Go on it again and again and again and again. And that's the love, you guys. That's how much he loves you from the east to the west, right? That's how much he loves you. That's how much he loves us. And why am I preaching to the choir here? You guys are all saved and squeaky clean. Mike, you read the Bible three, four hours a day. You got it down, right? You, can pre- you should be up here preaching this, brother. Dion, Mike, any one of you, Canute. Because now the message needs to not stop with you. I say this every time I preach, you guys. This is actually, if, if you're thinking, yep, I've got it. Yep, amen. You betcha I'm covered by the blood of Jesus Christ. What about your friend? What about your neighbor? What about that annoying kid down the street that won't stop riding a bicycle in front of your house? What about your aunt? I just lost my uncle a couple months ago. I don't think he was saved. He's my uncle. And I went, because mm. I didn't share the gospel with him, you guys. What about your grandpa? What about your dad? What about your mom? Are they saved? My mom was on her deathbed, and I beat feet down to Arizona. And I asked for her forgiveness, and I gave her forgiveness for whatever happened between me and her. I'm not going to go in that, bring up that ugly story again. And I told her Jesus loves her, and she said, why? And we talked about it. And she accepted salvation. God, accepted, God loved her, and when she died, I know where she is. Amen? Guys, we have a job to do. There are seven-plus billion people on this planet 
We've got to get, get out those doors. Take the message that you already have. Take the message of your sin nature that it, can, and it has been covered up and take that to other people. By the way, the rest of the story, you ready for this? As I was talking to Brad to, uh, on Friday, he said, so uh, I'm a clown, but what do you do? I said, well, I'm kind of a clown too. <laughs> I work with children. He goes, oh, I love children. I said, yeah, I do too. He said, well, how do you work with children? I said, well, I'm a, I'm a youth pastor. He goes, what? I said, I'm a pastor. He said, John Doyle, you're a pastor? I said, yes, sir, I am. He said, wow, God can take and use people. <laughs> yes, yes, he can, Brad. I said, but more important, Brad, what is your relationship with Jesus Christ? He said, oh, me? I love Jesus. And we talked and talked for like an hour, no, 38 minutes about Jesus Christ. That was the best thing ever because I needed to make sure Brad was saved. I might not hear from him again before we die. I need to make sure. Take this message, you guys, this 30-minute message. You've heard me preach the same message. It's not, it's actually, I, I was worried that Jennifer, I was telling Jennifer yesterday, I think I'm saying the same things. And she said, you probably are because it needs to be said <laughs> until everybody, none shall perish. Jesus, God so loved the world that none shall perish. He took care of it. And if somebody dies today without the word of Jesus Christ, what a travesty. So let's go forward. Let's go eat lunch, right? Go eat lunch. Who's going out to dinner? Who's going out to lunch? Don't forget your waitress or your waiter. When you, when you, just before you pray, I do this every time. Hey, I'm going to pray for my meal. What can I pray for you? And they say, oh, this and that. I said, well, before I pray, though, do you love Jesus? Yeah. Great. No. Oh, do you want to love Jesus? Yeah. Okay. And next thing you know, we're pre preaching the gospel to a, to a servant that can't run away because she has to take your order. <laughs> it's kind of my favorite thing ever. Accept his love if you haven't accepted it. Accept his gift if you haven't accepted it. Be a part of the solution and not the problem. Amen. Father God, thank you so much for your solution. It is permanent, it is effective, and it is real. Thank you, Lord Jesus, for staying on that cross because of love. Thank you, Lord, for giving what we could not give. Thank you, Lord, for loving us enough to die and being God enough to live for us. Thank you, Lord. In Jesus' name I pray, amen.